Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. My guest today is Aura Nadrich, who is a pioneering mindfulness expert, international keynote speaker and coach, and the founder and president of the Institutes for Transformational Thinking. She is a sought-after expert in the fields of mindfulness, transformational thinking, and self-discovery. She is also the author of Says Who? How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever, and Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. In today's episode, she and I talk about her new book entitled Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness, that brings together the practice of mindfulness with a spiritual understanding of becoming one with a higher consciousness. Welcome to Lifeology. Hi, James. So nice to be with you today. It is such a pleasure. My listeners may not remember this, but you were on my show a year ago, and I'm so glad to have you back because we actually talked about your, your book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. And in fact, I want my listeners to go back and listen to that. So in the show notes, I'm going to drop that old episode into the show notes. So you simply have to click on it and you can hear Aura's amazing work and also purchase her book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. So welcome back, Aura. So much has happened with you, and I can't wait to hear more about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Help me understand. So I know your backstory, but some people don't. How did you become this mindfulness expert? So I basically have really been attracted to mindfulness for a long time and started to really study it and Mm -hmm. do workshops around it. I became certified as a mindfulness meditation teacher. And at that time, I have to say mindfulness was really not in the mainstream the way it is today, which is very exciting that it's become much more accessible for people. I became one of Huffington Post mindfulness bloggers. And so I would write extensively on mindfulness. And from there, I started to write for all sorts of wonderful, you know, publications and journals and magazines and got known as a mindfulness expert, if you will, and started to do workshops on mindfulness. And my books are based in mindfulness. And so I've been pretty ensconced in the teachings and the writing of mindfulness for quite some time. How have you noticed that as you teach mindfulness and how it transforms your life as well? Because I'm sure the first person when you started learning about mindfulness to the person today, obviously with all of us, there's an evolution. But how have you noticed that mindfulness has really changed your life? You know, that's such a good question, because when you become a practitioner of mindfulness, you really start to see how. You can't get away from it, essentially, because mindfulness, you know, it's, it's funny because mindfulness is the practice of being present. So it's really being cognizant of being in the present moment. Well, we know that's very challenging because we've got so many distractions. We're yes. busy people. There's so much that pulls us away from being in the present moment. There was a study out of Harvard that said our mind wanders almost 50% of the time, which is a real indication that it's very difficult for us to stay present. 
So because I'm so really in the mode, if you will, of being present and teaching being present, I'm aware more consciously of when I'm out of the moment. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't get away from it. I know, I know the trappings. I know the very things that pull us out of the moment. So basically you could say I'm a really good mind hacker. I know when when I'm not in the moment, I'm onto it. I know how to sort of stop it in its tracks. So it's a great advantage that I have, but it doesn't let me off the hook. Yes. You know, it's so funny. Uh, I, I can agree with you a lot because I, I doing what I do, um, you know, when I do my little life lessons that I, I do like my shows and all that, sometimes I'll go back and listen. I'm like, oh my God, that's a really good lesson, James. You should practice it. I'm like, wait a minute. You should be practicing this all the time. And so it's just funny though, because, you know, as practitioners of something, we, we all, you know, we're, we're no different than anybody else, but we have a choice to practice these things every single moment as well. So it's, it's, it's super funny. <laughs> It, it does. And my my awareness of it, if you will, which, again, is the practice of mindfulness is having a heightened awareness of things. Yes. My awareness really hel- helps me with my work, because the more I dive deeper into this practice, the more I have to share with others. So it's very beneficial for me. It's beneficial yes. for others. Well, that's actually quantify or measure. What does mindfulness mean? Because everybody has a different word of it. Like you better be mindful of that. But say, you know, some people don't necessarily know what, what the defi- the true definitions of that. You know, when you just said be mindful of that, what that really is saying, be aware of that. Mm-hmm. So one could say, well, let's define awareness. Do you know when you say to somebody, mm-hmm. let's just say we took the word mindful or mindfulness out of the lexicon and just said, you know, hey, James, be aware of that. Well, your awareness might not be my awareness, do you know? And that's where you start to get into strengthening our awareness, if you will, which is the practice of mindfulness. So, you know, what we want to do is we want to heighten our awareness. We want to become more aware human beings. And the more aware we are, the more conscious we are. The more conscious we are, the more aware we are. And we become much more aware of ourselves. We become more aware of others. We become more aware of our environment. We become more aware of the world. It makes us more thoughtful kind, caring, sharper, if you will, human beings, do you know, which we could all use help in those areas. Yes, we certainly could. Before we transition into your book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness, because sometimes people are like, wow, that's that's really heavy. How can people right now kind of move, practice a, a technique of mindfulness to be just present in the moment? You know, there's something that I really encourage people to start from the minute they wake up in the morning. I mean, and that jump starts our day. So think about it. We wake up in the morning and what are we usually inclined to do? Just jump out of bed, you know, and then we get on the hamster wheel of life, you know, and before you know it, we're swept up in this current, this momentum where we become very busy people. So a great way to begin it is first thing in the morning. You know, you wake up, just take a moment or two to connect to your breath. Take a moment or two to really drop into gratitude. I'm alive one more day. What a gift. How great is that? Do you know, this takes sometimes a minute to do. And when we have that moment where, where we connect to our breath, which is a really powerful thing to do, because it does remind us that we're alive. And it's also, it's a great way to stay focused. And it's a great way to set our intentions for the day. So I really encourage people, if they want to really know what it means to begin a mindfulness practice, start it first thing in the morning. 
before you jump out of bed, as I said, and start on that busy cycle of life, which just takes us over. Yes. I always tell people how you start your day is indicative of how your day is going to go. And so I'm so glad to hear that you obviously corroborate that as well, because if you start your day with a mindfulness practice, then it slows you down so that you don't, let's say you, you hit the snooze button five or six times. Some people do that, nothing wrong with that. But if you do that, then you start your day with a lot of, oh my gosh, I'm running late, I'm running behind, and it creates this frenetic energy. And so for you to say that, let's start your day in a mindful practice, even if you do hit the snooze button, it allows you to be present to say, I am in control of how I feel. I choose to feel a certain way. I choose to start my day however I want to start it. And so with that mind, that mindfulness aspect and that, that the acuity of, of how your brain is and how you think allows you to then say, okay, now I'm going to do this in a methodical way. I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to take my shower. And so, but you choose to live in the moment and do it in a way that's your, that's your choice as opposed to the schedule of life taking over. And all of a sudden, like, oh my God, I'm running late. I'm running late. And then we're in traffic and then we're, you know, maybe at the metro or we're late for our, um, you know, late for our meeting or whatever it might be. And it could be so overwhelming. And like you said, the hamster wheel of life, that's, in my opinion, that is essentially it is when we allow life to take over and not ourselves to be mindful of how we show up in the present moment. Yeah. And we're really just letting life do us. We're not doing life. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that's important because the very questions that you proposed, we have to ask ourselves, how do I want the day to go? You know, what is this day about for me? What do I want to do today? What do I want to accomplish today? You know, how am I showing up today? Mm -hmm. You know, those are really mindful things to ask ourselves so that we don't just let life take us over. We're in the driver's seat. Do you know, we know how yes. we want the day to go. Yes. And you know, what I always tell people as well is change is simply a thought away. If you don't like how your day is going, then change your thought. <laughs> when you change your thought and focus on something else, then once again, you're back in the driver's seat and you can determine how you, the next moment is going to go. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. I want to transition into your book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness. That is a very lofty title and and so sometimes people will think, oh, this is so esoteric, but it's not in a lot of ways because you break things down to such a way that people are like, oh, wow, that's actually doable. Can you walk us through the synopsis of that book? You know, and it's true. When I wrote Mindfulness and Mysticism, I thought to myself, okay, you know, just even putting the word mysticism in a title, there are going to be people that are going to go, what's that? That's so, as you said, esoteric. I don't know anything about that. And they start to project a lot of things onto that yes. word yeah. because- It's not a word that's introduced into our daily lives all the time. And that really was the goal of the book. And what I say is I want to demystify mysticism. I want to bring it into the 21st century and for people to say, wow, I never even knew what that was about. And I realize that there isn't anything that's overly mystical or overly esoteric about that. And that I can integrate these concepts that I'm presenting to the reader in the book in my daily life. That was the goal, you know, and I've been just amazed at the receptivity that people that maybe are very curious about that, they don't really know what that means, but they want to know. And I think the book really presents a lot for the reader to come to understand about how to live your life with more wonder, how to live your life with more meaning. That's the basis of the book is how to enhance a deeper meaning in our life. Wow. I I love the fact that you use the word wonder. That is you know, we sometimes would be like, I wonder about this or that. And that's how I would typically use that. But I love hearing how you use that because when you have that sense of wonder and awe, 
and majesty of everything you look around. To me, it, it, it changes the perception. You know, I, I have all these lights here. That's, you know, the wonder of that. Oh my gosh, how in the world did we discover that? You know, so there's so much in our, in our life around us that we do take for granted. And so it's, it's nice to see that you, you are able to, like you said, demystify that to say that just be beholden to all of the, the beauty and the majesty of, of things around us in the world today. And, and, you know, James, that is the essence of mysticism, because when I read about, you know, mystics throughout time that really devoted their lives to being in awe and mm-hmm. the wonder of human existence, you know, and really yeah. looking at everything, being connected to everything in a way that really brings that up in us, like, wow, this is awe-inspiring, if you will, mm-hmm. all of the things of life that maybe we we take for granted or that we don't notice and that we can actually have higher states of consciousness. We can have these blissful, euphoric, ecstatic moments, looking at a sunrise, looking at a mm-hmm. sunset. You yes. know, that is the mystical experience. That can yes. really go into that area of experientially what feels almost like ineffable that people can't mm-hmm. give it words say, oh, wow, you know, that so moved me. And that was such a profound experience for me. You know, I want people to understand that we can have those moments in our lives. Yes, That's what mystical experiences really bring in for us. They're gifts. Yes. If we yes. allow ourselves to be present, to receive them. Yes, that's, that's absolutely beautiful. Now, sometimes people might think, well, mysticism means uh, religious or and but that's not what you're saying, correct? So this is a non-religious book that allows people to experience life in a way that makes sense for them to connect with something with something greater than themselves, which doesn't necessarily have to be any religion at all. Absolutely. And I say that a lot throughout the book, that this is not a book based on religion, even though mm-hmm. I bring up many different religious examples, like mm-hmm. when you go into a house of worship, be it a temple, a church, or a mosque, people can have a very profound feeling and experience because they feel that much closer to their faith. They feel that much closer to what they could call as a divine presence, be it God, you know, whatever that is for you. It's, it could be unity consciousness. It could be Christ consciousness. It could be source. It could be the absolute, whatever you want to call it. That is personal to you. But what I realize when I speak to people that maybe are connected to their religion that's where they feel that they are touched very deeply. And what I propose to the reader is you don't just need to have those moments only when you're in a house of worship. Those moments can happen anywhere at any time, do you know? And they don't have to be categorized as religious per se. That's what I'm really offering up to the reader. Mm -hmm. Don't we want to have those profound moments in our lives? There are many people that are not religious you know, that consider themselves maybe spiritual and maybe there are people that don't consider themselves either. Does that mean they have to be robbed of those sacred and holy Mm -hmm. moments that you Mm -hmm. might only experience in a a place of worship? This is something everyone can experience. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are, whether you're religious, whether you're spiritual, both or neither. These are moments that every one of us can experience that really gives, as I said, greater meaning to our lives Mm. and for us to acknowledge Mm. that life is a gift and it is sacred. Do you know? Yes. 
That's so exciting to hear because, you know, like you said, anybody can touch that. Anybody can experience that. I remember one time, uh, so I, I, am a, I have my own, my own belief structure. And um, I, so for me, I, I, my faith is in God. And so I remember one time I went through and totally divulging this to all my listeners here. Uh, so I remember I went through a really bad breakup and I remember I laid down in my bed and I was so heartbroken and I just cried out to God and I was like, God, I am just in so much pain. And I, you know, I wasn't in a place of worship, of course, but I was in my, on my bed. And as I, all of a sudden, or I felt this presence and I can't describe it. And it's probably one of the most spiritual things I've had in such a long time. And I just felt this peace that made no sense to me whatsoever. It just like encapsulated me. And I just laid there and I've, you know, like when you're like a, in a really under, it's a cold day out and you're under a comforter and you're just in the right position. And your body just feels so perfect. And all of a sudden I felt that. And it was probably like for a good half hour and I fell asleep and I woke up. And, I, and I've just had never felt so much peace. And so I just want my listeners to know that, you know, whatever you're going through in life, there's always, there's always something that can bring you a place of comfort, a place of peace, a place of bliss, a place of something. And so when we allow circumstances, whether it happens to us or, or we do it to our, do we do it ourselves? There's always something that can take us to another level of you are worthy, you are accepted, you are beautiful, you're benevolent, whatever those things may be. And so I know that was just a wonderful thing that I, I was thinking of when you were talking about that is that was something that always moved me. And I love to tell people about it because everybody can experience that. That's a beautiful story. And I love that you shared that because really what you're describing is what I describe as mm -hmm. those mystical experiences yes. that out of a, out of an experience of pain, you know, I even write about the dark night of the soul in the book yeah. that sometimes yeah. when we drop into yeah. our greatest despair, our greatest pain, which a lot of mystics write about, you know, the dark mm -hmm. night of the soul, mm -hmm. that that is when you can almost ask for guidance. Do you know, yes. we want to the belief that there is guidance, that there is a presence yes. that is there, even if it's an invisible presence, do you know, that can't even mm -hmm. be named or described, yes. but it's a feeling. And when we experience that, and I've asked so many people to think back to a time like what you just described, that they had that very profound experience that they almost didn't fully know what was happening, but mm -hmm. that something Something was present for them that reached deep into their heart and soul yes. and, and they took comfort and they took comfort in it. Do mm -hmm. you know? But you were open, James, even yeah. in your pain, you were connecting to something that was greater, yes. you know, something that yeah. is more divine. And I talk about mm -hmm. the divine a lot. You know, we can we can call it many different things. It doesn't matter what we call it. It's connecting to it and knowing mm -hmm. that we can connect connect to it that is really valuable to us. Yes, it's so valuable. And yeah, we were talking a little bit in the pre-call about just distractions in general. I think so many times when life happens, you know, either our schedule's quote too busy or just, you know, whatever was around us, if we allow those distractions to, to take over or to be in the forefront of our mind, you know, in my opinion, and obviously you're the expert here, we don't allow ourselves to experience these mystical moments that you're talking about because we're not aware to, we're not attuned to, we're not looking for it. You know, whatever I'm looking for, I'm going to see. And so it's, you know, bring a coin closer to my eye. That's all I'm going to see is the coin. So if I'm bringing all these distractions to my eye, I'm missing the beautiful world all around me. So well, how, what would you say to people who, who do struggle with distractions and, and how to just be aware of that, that unfortunately it is limiting their ability to, to have these experiences? You know, first of all, I think that's something that we all are subject to. You know, we are living in a very busy time. There's a lot going on. There's constant distractions. Our technology is advancing 
you know, exponentially. And we have to really look at the fact that that we're only going to get more busy and we're going to get more inundated with that busyness, if you will. You know, one of my favorite quotes is by French philosopher Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. And the quote is, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So to me, that says so much that we are spiritual beings, but we're at the effect of our human experiences. And our human experiences is what weighs us down. Our human experiences is what causes stress, suffering, you know, all sorts of things, because we're so at the effect of these human experiences, which is normal, we're in the body and we're alive and we're at the effect of all the things that life presents to us daily. But we have to stop. And we have to remember that we are spiritual beings having these human experiences. So what do we want to do that's feeding and nurturing our spirit? Mm -hmm. Do you know, Mm -hmm. that's what we need to be cognizant of. How am I not just as, again, what we said earlier, always busy or jumping out of bed and giving (laughs) into the busyness of life? Where am I connecting to my spirit? Where am I nurturing spirit? Where am I feeding my soul? You know, it's soul food. We have got to feed that. We've got to nurture that. And that's something that we have to take the time to do. So we can complain about how busy we're getting. We can complain about all the distractions. We can complain about all the stresses. But what are we doing about it? You know, it really begins with us. You know, so things like, you know, whether you take a walk on the beach, you know, there's mindfulness walking, there's mindfulness eating. Mm you know, making that cup of tea and really slowing down and feeling the warmth of that tea in our hands, feeling the warmth of the tea on our lips, tasting it, you know, we rush through everything. So these are things that we can do, you know, whether you're a meditator or not, it doesn't matter. Sit somewhere quiet for five minutes where you can put your devices down. Do you know, there's no excuse to be attached to our phones and our computers all day. Some people sleep with their phones. Do you know? It's like yeah. their most intimate partner. <laughs> so we have to really look at like, where are we not, you know, detaching ourselves from the very things that can control our lives? Do you know? Well, I, I love I love hearing that because we, if you think about this, like I sometimes break things down to spirit, mind, and body. It can be it, ego, super ego. You can define it however you want. I always think about, you know, if you think of a, we've all seen those bodybuilders who have these real big upper bodies and these little chicken legs, like little small little legs. And you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But to me, it's a lot of, it's, it <laughs> kind of goes back to this whole concept of we have, you know, our day is so full of it, our, our intellect, our, our prowess when it comes to work. I mean, we're so top heavy. But the support, you know, those like those that bodybuilder with those little small legs is often our spirit that that in our inability to to make sure that we have the strength to bolster us through all that. And so I always think that's a really good analogy because when we don't daily grow that part of us, like we do with our, our intellect or even our body, if we're you know go to the gym all the time, then that's something that we're unfortunately we're top heavy and that's what we need the most because when life happens and it happens to all of us, we have to be able to connect with something to to help us through this because. Without that, it it can be very lonely, very so much despair, so much despondency. But when you do really allow your spirits and whatever you want to call it to connect with something greater, to to pra- have these mindfulness techniques, these practices that you that Laura talks about for my listeners, is that something that you do start to grow? So you won't be like that top heavy bodybuilder. You all of a sudden be this amazing Arnold Schwarzenegger type looking person because you can you can you're able to tackle anything that that happens that day. 
So true, James. And, you know, that despair and that despondency that you talk about, which really can lead to things like depression and, you know, it, it can. It can really have you spiraling downward, which can be very dangerous and destructive, is because people aren't feeding their spirit. They're really not. They're not asking themselves. You know, it's it's something that we don't even think about to ask ourselves the question, how did I feed my spirit today? You know, how did I feed myself mind, body, and spirit. You know, it's not just body. We have to be able to feed ourselves. And what I say, take that spiritual pulse. Do you yes. know, every day, you know, it, it's interesting and sad, actually, where people can go so extreme. And I talk about that even in my chapter on addiction, that I feel that a lot of addicts are not feeding their spirit mm-hmm. and they're reaching out for, for substances to numb the pain that they're experiencing. Yes. And, and, and then yeah. that's a very destructive path and it can lead to all sorts of, you know, deep, dark despair that you speak about, mm-hmm. despair and despondency, mm-hmm. thoughts of suicide, and that yes. your life is no longer worth living. We must address that really in much more earlier stages before we let that despair and the despondency take us over. And the way yeah. in which we do that is we feed our spirit. We acknowledge that we are, as Teilhard de Chardin said, mm-hmm. spiritual beings having a human experience. How did I feed my spirit today? What did I do that that made me feel good inside my heart? Do you know, we have to ask ourselves those questions. We need to live life in balance. Yes. And once again, it goes back to that, kind of like the analogy I said about the bodybuilder. (laughs) And we all know, and someone will know if that's where they are in their life when it comes to when life happens, what's your first response? And now in psychology, we have the first response, your, your it would be your your reactive response, and then your then comes the mindful response or the more awakened response. So if someone comes up and startles me, I'm afraid. But when I realize it's them, then I don't have to be afraid anymore. So it's the same thing when life happens. Our first response is, oh my gosh. But our second response is where, where or what you are talking about as well is moving into that mindfulness, that spiritual connection of let me to connect, let me connect to something greater than myself or a divine um, consciousness or higher state of consciousness to help me through that. And the only way to do that is to mindfully practice that because if you don't practice, unfortunately, you won't be able to continue. You won't be able to be have live the sustained, fulfilled life that is a privilege for all of us. Absolutely. And we don't want to wait, James, until we're really at a point of crisis. We don't want to yeah, wait till yeah. we start really feel the despair and the despondency that you talked about. You know, we don't wait till our car breaks down. You know, we have to do things like tune-ups, you know. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to maintain wellness on the life journey. And there are many yes. ways to do that. You know, we don't want to wait until life presents us with something that really causes deep despair. There are a lot of things we can do along the way to avoid that. Perfect. That's absolutely perfect. My listeners, um, I would definitely want to endorse Aura. So Aura's book is Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness. Aura Nasers, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. If my listeners want to find more information about you and to purchase this book, where would they find all this information online? Thank you, James, so much for having me. They can purchase my book, Amazon, obviously, is a very quick way to get the Mm -hmm. book. And if they want to learn more and just be able to see what I'm doing and all the things that I offer up to my my listeners and my readers, go to my website, auranadrich.com. Wonderful. My listeners also know that if they cannot find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you with all of Aura's information as well as a previous 
the previous episode that she was on my show when she talked about her other book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. Or Nadrix, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on show today. I truly appreciate all your expertise. Thank you so much for having me, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.